Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Hey, welcome everybody to the Ed Epley Experience, your opportunity to listen to an expert in some area of the business who will help you with at least one proven idea that will help you run a more sustainable and successful business. Today is one of those special events in in our podcast where we're going to get expert advice on a particular topic. And today's topic is fixing to firing, coaching, disciplining, and when needed, firing employees. And I didn't choose our guest because she's done it so many times in, in, in all these. She's not like Darth Vader. Let's make it clear. But she's never shied away from being able to make tough decisions about when to coach and discipline and, if need be, part company with somebody. So you've heard her on here before. She is the senior vice president of sales and marketing for the Steamboat Ski and Resort Company. And she is Katie Brown. Katie, welcome to the Ed Epley Experience again. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Ed. Thanks for uh, bringing me back. I will try not to be like Darth Vader, <laughs> but I appreciate you having me here. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You, you are as good a builder and developer of talent as anybody that I know. And I thought it was, I wanted to have somebody who was good at both. And usually most people are good at one and not the other. And, and you definitely have qualified as being somebody who has experienced a just about every kind of situation you can think of. So I'm, I'm, I know our audience is going to be wanting to hear from you. So let's start. When you think about coaching and disciplining and even if need be firing somebody, where do you fit them in in the hierarchy of easy to do versus hard to do relative to the, the full suite of, of things you have to get done? As far as fixing to firing, I think the firing especially is always hard no matter how much or how often you've done it. Dolly Parton and Brene Brown had a podcast. I don't know if you heard it, Ed, but I thought they shared some really good advice. They say when it stops tearing you up, no matter how justified it is, when it stops tearing you up, you've got to stop leading. And it is so true. I keep thinking it'll get easier and easier, but I I call it hard. It's really hard. Yeah. The variation of what those ladies said that I really resonated with, or, or it made me feel uh, appropriate, I guess, would, was that if it ever gets easy, you're probably doing too much of it. You know, if it, if it gets to be a non-event, then something's wrong with you more than it is probably the other person. So I, I appreciate you saying that. Now, would yes. you say coaching? Is coaching hard for you? No, I really embrace the coaching. I like the coaching part a, a lot, especially when it's positive. And now I've learned coaching is a loss with discipline and working, putting the two together. They're not separate. So I, I get that now, but it's taken me a little bit to understand that coaching um, can be hard and it can involve some discipline and it can involve firing. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering if it's because you have young adults in your family that you've figured out that coaching can be hard with discipline as well. I I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities to working with young adults that are 15, 18, 21 years of age that are certain that they are absolutely right about something and you still have to have responsibility for them. And it's kind of like, well, (laughs) we're going to have a coaching conversation right now. 
<laughs> That's exactly right. And, you know, I think you asked me how quickly you go from coaching to discipline. And, yeah. you know, one thing I've learned is that it's it's not easy. And what, I, what I've realized is that I don't do it fast enough. And I, I think, why? Why am I kicking myself? Why, you know, why do I not do it fast enough? Because when I do it, then it's always the right thing. And um, I've realized it's, I'm really slow as because I like them. I want to give them um, chance to improve. I want to save the person. I don't want to hurt them. All of the above, you know. But then I did have the aha moment. And it's exactly what you just said, Ed. It's that if you think like a parent, you have to, you know, it's hard. It's as hard on me as it is on you, you know. And I think it's really true. And being a parent really did help me become a more effective leader when I would start thinking that way. <laughs> I uh, I know not every expert in the field of management and leadership will subscribe to that theory, but it's one I absolutely believe that if you if you've had to raise young adults in your in your house, you are much better prepared to have the right kind of conversations with the people that you manage and lead in, in your professional life. So outside of your own family experiences, what are the things that have most influenced the way you have decided to approach coaching and disciplining and even firing? What are, I, I don't want you to reveal any confidences that you shouldn't, but, but what are some experiences that have really shaped the way you do this? I think learning the hard way has helped me a lot. Some of the hard ways that I've realized if I have a problem player and I don't hold them accountable, and remove them quickly, the player's not really the problem. I am. It's my responsibility as a coach and leader of the team. So I have worked for several different owners in my career, and I have found, of owners of the ski industry, of the ski resort, excuse me about that, and I have found that uh, a supportive culture of coaching up or coaching out definitely works better than some cultures where I call it, whose neck do I rink? Where you're always looking around like, who's, mm-hmm. who's going to be responsible? You know, so I, I've yeah. tried to go back to uh, the coaching up and coaching out. And that's kind of overall my experience through different ownerships and different people coming in, the most common thing that's, that's worked for me. So do you feel like you've gotten most of your growth in the last four or five years, or do you think it's been really even throughout your whole career where you've just incrementally gotten better, you know, each, let's say five years, every five years, you've taken another step. I'm I'm curious about if it's been even growth or if it's more later in your career where some of these ahas have occurred. I feel like it came on stronger in the last couple of years when I joined our senior management team, because there's just no excuses. It's on you and it's my responsibility. <laughs> Whereas before, you know, there, it seemed like maybe there were excuses or it was easier to pass it yeah. off or have yeah. others take care of it, but it's, you get, you've got to own it. So I've, I've gotten better and better over the years just by gaining confidence and knowing that if you do it right, you take the right steps, it's going to be the right thing, not only for the player, but for you too and your team. So if I ask you to rate yourself on a scale of one to 10, how, how would you rate yourself at coaching today? I think I'm at a six or seven. I think I still have a ways to go. I continue to learn. I know I'm hard on myself, but yes, you are. I, uh, <laughs> but I think I am at a six or seven, just trying to find that balance. All right. What about disciplining? How would you rate yourself in disciplining? I would say the same six or seven in there. I would say even a couple of years ago, I would give myself a four or five. Like I said before, I would avoid those conversations. Those tough, crucial conversations are hard to have. <laughs> and then what about firing? Firing, I think once it gets to that point, I've gotten better, but I drag my feet. So I'll put myself around a five on that. <laughs> okay. In the in the moment, you would give yourself a seven or an eight in the actual event, but but getting yes. to that point. Okay. 
Yes. Yes. Now you are a hard grader on yourself. You, there's nobody who's <laughs> going to grade grade you harder than you'll grade yourself. So what is it you think you're not doing in coaching that would make you only a six, six and a half? I'm curious about that. I think I, I hold on to it too long. Maybe I'm not having a tough conversation quick enough. I think I need to start, have it immediately. And now that I've got some steps, I can walk into it, but start with clarity, have the conversation immediately, and then set some expectations that need to be hit and then evaluate and then make the tough decision. But you, it's a it's a process, but I need to be uh, quick with it and not just yeah, drag my yeah. feet. So, so if, if somebody said, I want to scale, I want to, I want a method to be able to rate myself in my ability to coach others or my ability to provide appropriate discipline. Is there a model for you that you follow? (laughs) That's a really good question is how do you rate it? You know, Ed, I know you love movies. (laughs) This is a fun way to maybe think about it is let's (laughs) define it by the opposite you remember the movie Up in the Air? I mean, that was George Clooney's job was to fire, fire people. people. Yeah, and right. so, you know, maybe we define it by opposite in that what you don't want to do is just go straight to the script, not have any human interaction. You know, in that movie they were talking about, the girl was talking to someone and saying they're fired and it was on screen. It wasn't even in person. At the end of it, the person walks out of the room that was right next door to her. So it was just, you know, don't avoid that conflict, but, you know, define yourself on what maybe not to do. Instead, look at it. Like, did you uh, offer that person some opportunity to go after things that maybe work better for them and they can follow their dreams? Uh, Did the person leave with dignity and respect? Were you clear on your expectations in the process? Maybe look at that. And if you have achieved those goals, then you've done it well. That's a wonderful framework for people to think about. If I could, I just, I just want to offer up this thought as well. The biggest difference, if I was managing people today, there's no question the number one thing I would be different as a manager today in doing than before the old Ed Epley, and trust me, I'm old, it would, would be that I would be less likely initially to blame the person for their lack of performance. And, and so what's different for me today is to first question, what have I not taught them? What is it about the process that they're using that they don't understand or don't know? Or is, you know, what's wrong with the process that could, could if, if I gave them a better process that they could pr- produce better results? Because if I've hired the right kind of person and they're not performing, mm-hmm. I got to look at, at it's, it. More often than not, there's probably something else beyond that person not being competent that really is the problem. So my advice to anybody who's listening in terms of coaching is to first don't assume that this person either knows everything they need to know or is using the best process that they could to do the work that they're supposed to do. So a lot of people can fake that, like they're using the process when they're not. And that would be uh, oftentimes, you know, they'll take shortcuts that maybe they're, they're not supposed to be taking. So just for whatever that's worth to people, I, I, I I really start now to think about what is the design of the work they're supposed to be doing and how well do they know how to do that? Exactly right. What do you think about this concept too, is that the very beginning is make sure you get the right people on the bus in the first place and that you've put that clarity out there. I mean, that really is on, you know, sometimes we inherit people, but overall, if you can, and if you can start the process from the beginning, that really makes the most sense. Thank you for saying that. And I would add on to that premise that, in today's environment, if you are hiring people 
simply to fill a position because you need a body, understand you are setting yourself up for a lot more coaching and disciplining than you would otherwise have to do. That's right. And then the second thing is when you hire really good people with the right kind of qualities, really good people want to be coached and they want to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. They, they expect it. If they don't get it from you, they will go find it from someone else because they know that that's part of what they need to get to a better state. So, yeah, I, I thanks for m- reminding me about I love that. that. Yes. When, when you think about your normal week today, and I'm not sure there has been a normal week in the last <laughs> 15 months, given the pandemic. But when you think about a normal 10 or more hour day, how much of your time is spent in coaching? Not enough. I can tell you, I've been making it more and more of a priority, uh, not only for my team, but for me as a leader. I um, struggle with that because operationally, the ski area is very operational. So I get stuck in a lot of operational tasks. So I'm now really pulling myself out of that to make sure that my role is not just focusing on those tasks, but on our goals and objectives, but making sure that I'm leading and mentoring. And mentoring was one word. I never thought I would be a mentor. And now I'm like, wow, that actually is my role now at this stage in my career. And I'm enjoying it. But it was a it was a real pivotal point when I realized that that's what I needed to start doing. Are you are you a more valuable mentor to people in your own department or in other people's departments? I would like it to be for both. But my guess is it's more for I don't know. I'm going to say both because I'd like to think that it's cross-functional. I think it is always easier for somebody to be a better mentor to someone outside their own department than their own. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. The reason I think that is because you really don't have a horse in the race, right? I mean, if you're mentoring somebody in another department, it's not like they need to be worried about pleasing you as such. It's Whereas if it's one of your own people, I think you have a vested interest in whatever advice you give them. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And I could see that. It's definitely a more loaded conversation. (laughs) Yeah. I I think if somebody should lead the organization, it's a lot easier for you to say that to somebody outside of your department than in it. (laughs) Makes sense. That does make sense. (laughs) So is, is coaching when you do it, is coaching a process or is it just a conversation? I feel like coaching is a process. It's an ongoing process. I feel like you not only have a conversation, but you're leading by example. Um, You're watching. It's like the kids. It goes back to kids again. They're watching your every move. You don't, and they're listening, even though you don't think they are, they're listening. So you, it's a process and it's ongoing. And no matter what you're doing, you are coaching. And so you're making sure that the employees are in the right setting. You're making sure that you're holding people accountable. You know, so you just, you're always on stage. So it's a process that I would say. <laughs> I'm laughing because we visited our grandson and daughter-in-law and this last weekend. And we're sitting there and Emmett's uh, his name and Emmett's having his dinner and their dog Piper starts to come in the kitchen. And he's remember now he's not even two years old. He looks at the dog and says, get out. <laughs> because mom and dad have been saying to the dog, you cannot come in and pick up the scraps around Emmett oh, while he's eating. That's funny. Well, and it's just an example of, we are setting an example yes. at all times for those people around us about what we value and what we don't. And so it sets exactly. up a, 
a lot of the coaching conversations we're going to get into. That's great. I guess part of the reason I asked the question, is it a process or is it a conversation? Because in, in some cases, I can think of people I know on your team where if you said, if you treated it as a very linear process driven kind of a, of a thing you're asking of them, that that wouldn't be, they're the kind of person who would want it to be a discussion. They would want to have mm-hmm. some input into it. And there, I think there are probably a few people in your, your team who would just simply say, tell me what you want done. Tell me, you know, give me your coaching advice. Fine. Let me process it. I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. And they, it doesn't need to be a conversation. They just need to understand the expectation that what you're looking for. So that's why I'm, that's why I was more asking the question of, so in most cases, it, context is there why we're even talking about this does that come up or is is it more you just say here's what I want and here's why I want it no I think it's going back and forth so you understand I mean setting that clarity like we we keep going back to that but explaining you know this is the job description what's your interpretation of it are we aligned I think it does go back and forth I think if it's a one-way communication you're not guaranteed that you're going to be getting what you're looking for for as an end result on that All right. What about discipline? Is that a discussion or is that more one-sided? At this point, I kind of figure discipline is the second step if you're having someone that's having a tough time. And um, I'm going to go back to still it's a process, but within that process, it's changed a little bit. It's more about, again, clarity, but, you know, do you put them on a PIP, a, a, you know, performance improvement plan? Do you right. encourage training? Do you encourage podcasts? Do you encourage learning books or something? But if that's disciplinary action, I think, again, it's still a process, but I think it's probably a little bit more one-sided and you're offering up things that need to be done. <laughs> I, I'm thinking back to when our son was a teenager, there were conversations that started out as coaching that ended up as discipline. and and so it it started from a conversation and it involved into no this is way it's going to get handled it was was very much one one direction in terms of the conversation i'm not saying it was effective i'm just simply saying that's what what happened that's right have you ever heard the book or the concept situational leadership i believe i have yes yeah it's um paul hersey and the guy that wrote the one minute manager, uh, we'll figure it out and we'll add it in the show notes to make sure everybody knows right. who it is. But, but in any event, when they came up with that model for situational leadership, what I loved about it was that it recognized you don't treat all coaching conversations the same way because it's about readiness, willingness, and a- ability to do what you're asking. Mm-hmm. You just Googled it, didn't you? I bet you, you pulled it up. Yeah, because I was thinking, I was picturing who it is, and you're going to kick yourself when Blanchard. I tell you. Blanchard, yes! Ken Blanchard, exactly, Ken Blanchard. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you're going to kick yourself. <laughs> yeah. All right, so it's Ken Blanchard and Paul Hersey are the guys that came up with this model, and so essentially, what it says is the first thing you ask yourself is how ready, and what that is, uh, readiness is essentially how willing and able is someone to do what we're asking. Mm-hmm. So if they're willing and able, it's a short conversation, relatively speaking. Because yes. their mind's in the right place and they and we know they possess the skill to do it. So they just need to understand whatever it is that they're they maybe they forgot to do it or that they need to do more of it. But it's not it's not a hard conversation. And if they're willing but not able, so they right. they, they want to do it, but they don't know how, that's usually a pretty easy conversation. Would you agree? Yes. I mean, because they got the right mindset. So we don't have to spend That's much right. time get, getting their heads right. It's just more about teaching them. So oftentimes you can do it with them and practice it and they'll 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 be eager to learn when somebody's unwilling and unable to do it. 
that's a much tougher conversation to have, I think, with most people, right? Because first Absolutely. of all, yeah, I mean, if, if they're unwilling to do it, we have to help them understand, well, it's probably not negotiable. If this is part of their job, they got to do it. And then there's also, maybe you have to be more prescriptive. First, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and, and I'm going to watch you do it, or I'm going to come back and make sure you did it. That's, right. I don't know that that's as friendly a conversation. No, I would agree with you. And, and maybe going back to, is that a process or simply a conversation? It might go back to like with your son and that it turns into, you think it's a negotiation, but it goes straight to, you know, you keep it simple and fast. And if you're unwilling and unable, we need to make some changes. Yeah. If I hired you thinking you had the ability and you don't, shame on me. Right. Right. <laughs> but, but but if you have the ability and yet now let's that's the last one is I'm able but unwilling. Right. So if if I've got the ability but I'm not doing it, okay, now here's here's the hardest part for me is is to be willing to suspend judgment to to assuming that they have bad intention. So if somebody's unwilling but able to do what needs to be done, I think what I would try to do more often today is start with the questioning, what do I not understand? Mm-hmm. What am I missing? Because right. you you clearly can do this, but you don't seem to either want to or believe that you need to do this part of your job. So let's let's have a conversation about that. Not assuming that you're you're wrong and I'm right, but let's there, you you might have a good valid reason why you shouldn't be doing this, but we gotta talk about it. That's a great point. Do you do you ever find yourself in that situation with any people? Do you ever find yourself dealing with people who are unwilling but able to do what you need them to do? Let me think about that. I feel like most people on our team are very willing. If they are unwilling, but you know they can do it, you're exactly right. we got to figure out what's going on. Like, why, why are you not interested in doing this? And uh, really just sitting down with them and, again, going back to the why. I, I don't understand yeah. why you're not doing this. And uh, maybe it's something that they – aren't even catching themselves and don't even realize they're doing it, but maybe it's something going on personal at home, or maybe it's something ethically they have or something, but trying to understand that first before jumping right into that immediate judgment of why you, you know, you're just being lazy. Well, now I can tell you where I've seen you absolutely do this is with, with peers and with your boss. Yes. Oh, (laughs) 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 and it's not always, it's not always something that they're not doing. That's, you know, what I would call an absolute necessity to their job, but it's something that they met and they don't put the same priority on that you do. They're capable of doing it, but they don't think that it's, it's as high a value activity as you would. So I've, I've watched you influence people that are your peers or your superiors to recognize, well, maybe, maybe there's more value in me doing that than I thought. So you help them understand that context is, is not necessarily what they see it. So I know you're skillful at it because I've seen you do it. You just don't think of it in this, in the context of what we were just talking about. You're exactly right. Yeah. What would be your advice to somebody who, if, if, as listening to this, they go, I'm going to get better at coaching and disciplining and firing. Is there, is there a book that they should read? Is there, is this simply more a a function of practice? What would you, what would you have them do to get better at this? I think in general, remember you're helping them and your team, you know, start by bringing on those right people, be clear in your expectations put the right people in the right roles. We call that a diamond in the right setting. You know, people have different skill sets and for them to really shine, you want to put them in the right roles, but make sure you're still holding people accountable. 
celebrate your wins, you know, not just the discipline. And remember that if they're not helping you, they could be hurting you. And when you have some of that in mind, it's really, I I think, helpful. (laughs) Repeat that again. I think that was that was worth the price of admission right there. Say that one more time. (laughs) Remember that if they're not helping you, they could be hurting you. Yeah. And just kind of doing nothing. And you don't really even know what how that's impacting your team, too. Your team might be covering for them. There might be so much that you don't even see that's happening. So it's upon you to really keep that in mind. She's Katie Brown. She's the Senior VP of Sales and Marketing for Steamboat Ski and Resort Company out in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. She's a friend. She's a friend to a lot of people, too. I will tell you that. If people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to contact you, Katie? They can contact me on LinkedIn for Katie Brown and Steamboat, or you can email me at the letter K, brown at steamboat.com, and I will be there for you. I'd be happy to hear from you. She's taught me plenty. She's a real professional, folks. So uh, recognize when, you, when you're hearing from Katie, know it's, it comes from the right experiences for the right reasons. And I'm, I'm so thankful you took time to join us today, Katie. I know you have so much to get done right now. Hey, and speaking of that, yes. what should people expect over uh, what's going on in Steamboat? I should ask you that sooner and just give them a quick update of where things are, because I know people know the organization and, and know what's going on in general with the ski industry, but how are things? Oh, things are really good. I mean, it's crazy coming off of COVID and all these mitigation plans, and but travel is uh, becoming more and more popular. Skiing is great, being the great outdoors. And then in Steamboat itself, oh, we have some real excitement going on. We have over, I think, $135, $150 million capital plan being put in place in the next three yeah. years. And it's exciting. Um, we're calling it full steam ahead for Steamboat. I love it. And this year has been tough because the building I've been in for 30 years in the gondola building, right as we speak, there's a big old crane going in there and taking it down. And yeah. it's exciting because there's a big ice rink that's going to be there and it's going to change our plaza. But I'm kind of homeless right now until we move into a new building, which is a little <laughs> bit down the road. But it's all for good and it's all really positive. And we've got a lot of neat new things that are happening on the mountain and it's going to be just, it's exciting, but definitely has some challenges. And and you've got, you've got now increased summer uh, air capacity, right? You've you've got Southwest air is also flying with United this summer, right? Thanks for bringing that up. First main line that we've ever had going straight into Hayden for summer. So we're looking at a strong summer. So for a ski resort, it's truly a, it's year round resort more and more. So it's a, it, it's great. Thank you, Ed. Thanks for asking. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm glad. I'm glad we got to add that in there. Yeah. I know you'll be hearing from some of our audience. So thank you again for helping our folks understand fixing to firing. She's Katie Brown. She's a great person and a great friend. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Ed. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's theepleygroup.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills. 